Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am one of your hosts, Scott McNulty, and I am joined, as always, by Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? Hi, Scott. It is good to be back for Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, and I have a very special message, which is... Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery Flashcasts are brought to you by the New Mexico Tea Company. It's true. Go to nmtco.com slash TV for discounts and a link to a fun survey about Star Trek that will lead to a very special Star Trek episode of the Incomparable Game Show down the line. And we'll mention tea at the end, too. But thank you to them for sponsoring us. I get all my tea from them. Yeah. I, I I have gotten tea from them as well. Yeah, and we can we'll talk about our teas later. But uh, yes. but brother, 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 brother. This is I don't know about you, Jason, but I'm going to tell you right now. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed this episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's good to have the show back. And I felt like at several points the show was kind of winking at us and <laughs> saying saying. This is a message to you, viewer. <laughs> this is not like season one. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be okay. Literally at the end, Captain Pike is like, hey, Burnham, and also viewers, we're going to have a little fun along the way. <laughs> yeah. Do you get the sense that perhaps uh, as season one, uh, the writers and producers of Star Trek Discovery thought, this is kind of dark. Maybe yeah. we should lighten up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know whether it was the, you know, Brian Fuller's original conception was just dark, and when he left, everybody else was like, hmm, this is a bit dour, or whether <laughs> they just kind of read the, uh, you know, the feedback from people, everybody else kind of feeling that. And I enjoyed season one, uh, but it, it does seem like they're trying to recalibrate a little bit. Not mm-hmm. not a lot. It's not like, hey, suddenly everything's episodic and bright and cheerful and <laughs> no. colorful. But, like, definitely trying to say, hey, do we watch Star Trek because we want uh, to have fun? Yes, we do. And so Indeed. we will. Yeah. And season one, I, I really like season one. It was telling the story of Michael Burnham and her uh, redemption uh, and, and kind of the struggles that Starfleet was having uh, in yeah. trying to figure out what to do in this situation, right? So it was an interesting story, uh, but I don't think every season needs to be this kind of uh, like uh, moralistic quandary right. that is you know overarching around the whole thing about is the Starfleet really what it's cracked up to be? Yeah, the whole I, I, I watched the final thing. episode. Yeah. Exactly. I watched the final episode of season one uh as i was on the treadmill today to prepare for the uh season two right because you gotta be in shape for season two you gotta, yeah, exactly. oh you meant you the gotta. watching was to prepare i see oh exactly I see. okay uh although i did i should have worn my uh disco t-shirt and yeah, i would have felt like i was uh, michael burnham in that episode where they're running around yeah um but it, it brought home to me at the the end of that episode, uh, or in in the, that episode, you know, Captain Georgiou, who's actually Emperor Georgiou, spoiler alerts for someone who hasn't watched season one of Discovery and is listening to this for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, wants to blow up the Klingon homeworld, and uh, Burnham's not down with that. And so that kind of is the culmination of her, her journey and the Discovery, the crew of the Discovery's journey from being kind of like duped by Lorca to being like, hey, wait a second. If we give up our principles, we've got nothing. So we can't. We can't do this. Uh, and now they're switching to Captain Pike, who is really kind of like you know uh, the model Starfleet officer. And mm-hmm. he's like, "Hey, 
I'm not like Captain Lorca, everybody. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's like, ooh, he said his name. He's scary. That's a scary name. Um, yeah, it's it's true. I, I, you know, you and I both had a uh, had a brief drive-by uh, visit with somebody on Twitter who is uh, complaining about Star Trek Discovery not uh, standing up to Gene Roddenberry standards, which, oh, like, it, there's so much there that I don't even want to unravel that it's <laughs> wrong with that statement. But I do, I do think that it's a shame if people saw the question being asked in Star Trek Discovery that they didn't understand that it was a journey and that ans- that, that question was answered. And the whole kind mm-hmm. of journey of the first season of Star Trek Discovery was finding your way and why you believe in the in the principles of Starfleet and standing up for what you believe in. And so it ends kind of with a very happy we're we, you know we're Starfleet, we don't do this. We have we have standards even in the the you know the darkest parts of our history in the middle of this war, we are not mm-hmm. going to do things that are are contrary to our our fundamental principles and it's kind of a beautiful thing, but you had to get to the dark part uh, to do that, and yes, I don't, I, I don't suspect that we're going to be plumbing the depths of that again this season because it does seem like they've uh, recalibrated a little bit, which is great, and I was happy to see it back. Um, uh, also, lots of things blow up, lots of things explode. There's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of booms in this episode, very much like last season. I feel like they wanted to start with a bang, and they did, and and a lot of funny moments too. I think so to, to lighten the tone and uh, a lot of, as you said, winking to the audience. And uh, I did think one of the biggest winks was uh, they're like uh, Captain Pike beams over, uh, brings a couple people with him, uh, and they're like, "Let's go, let's leave the Enterprise. We will, we'll go there later, maybe, but we're out of here." Uh, which is eerily similar to what we thought might happen when they were just like, "Oh, look, the Enterprise is here," and then opened season two, and she was like, "Well, let's go. We have to go to Vulcan." Yeah, <laughs> and not even talk to anybody. Yeah, we had a nice conversation with the Enterprise, and now we are going to go. But that's not what happens. We get not the three people. Happens. We get the the um, I I laughed at the moment where they're like Captain Pike is coming aboard with Lieutenant whatever and Lieutenant whoever, and I I thought it's literally Captain Pike is coming aboard with the other two uniform colors. <laughs> so you could see all the new uniforms, yeah, uh, yeah. at once, and, and they uh, ma- and they make a they make a statement about it, which I I thought was delightful, where where the Enterprise people are like. Whoa! This is a this. I see where they're spending all their money, and they get lectured. Don't covet thy neighbor's starship, uh, and then the discovery people are like, "Well, you you got the new uniforms, very colorful." Which is one of those like, eh, it's not not really a compliment, just very colorful. Just, just a fact. They yeah, are colorful they, uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. I do. I think I prefer the the new. Uh, Enterprise uniforms to the Discovery uniforms. I like the Discovery uniforms, yeah. don't get me wrong, but uh, clearly the Enterprise uniforms are playing to my nostalgia. For yeah. The, uh, so I, I fell yeah. for it because how could I not? I think that, I th- think they look great, and I, I did have that moment where I thought, well, why didn't you just make these the uniforms of Discovery? But <laughs> I guess they're not, maybe not for everyone, and that would be an awful lot of color. They are very colorful, but it looked they, they look cool. great, and it was fun to see them at least for a moment. And there's the you know we also saw the USS Enterprise interior for a moment at the end mm-hmm. of the episode, but not really enough to you know get anything out of it. It's just you know, obviously redressed Discovery sets, and there's nothing. 
Okay, I, I suspect we'll see more of the Enterprise as this goes along, since we I have think... they have announced at least one other character from the Enterprise, <laughs> or two other characters from the Enterprise, I guess, who are appearing this season. So mm-hmm. probably we will. But uh, so. oh, we didn't mention. So this starts out with a little oh, uh, yes. Michael Burn- Burnham pre- uh, prelude thing where she talks about the story from uh, it's based the Final Frontier, but it's also a story from Africa. Um, uh, you know hundreds of centuries ago thousands of centuries ago and it's a story of a girl at which point i i said it's the first slayer and she was the she handed down the vampire slayer lord <laughs> nope that's wrong no wrong different, franchise different wrong franchise but uh that's interesting the story of the girl who means the stars and and that's sort of like <laughs> the flashbacks are all kind of like about you know about yes. stories and and mythology and 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 then burnham trying to adapt with manda reading alice in wonderland to her and we see mm-hmm. her being brought to the house to the the Sarek home. <laughs> yes, I will say I like the Sarek home. Uh, Vulcan uh, architecture appeals to me. It, it looks very nice, although very empty. I guess it's not logical very to have a lot of knickknacks empty. about. Yeah, I think Marie Kondo uh, <laughs> was uh, has been has has followers among the Vulcans. Apparently, they're like we true. were not going to make first contact with you at all. But then we saw the works of Marie Kondo and thought, <laughs> yes, minimalism to us. It does not bring us joy. No, uh, no, that it would not be logical to spark joy with. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, it was fun to see the Sarek, the Sarek house, <laughs> the house that Sarek built. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the title of this episode is Brother, Brother. Uh, which is kind of like okay, Spock. This is we're going to see Spock. Oh, mm-hmm. It's exciting. Spock is going to be here, uh, and we do see Spock. We do see Spock. And he's a little kid. He's a creepy little kid. Spock. who goes, I don't like you very much, new person. Well, I think they're trying to f- explain because you know when we first heard that Burnham was uh, half sibling to Spock, everyone was like, "How come we have never heard of this before?" And um, which we've talked about multiple times uh, yeah. in our previous episodes. And Spock is not the most open about his family mm-hmm. in general. That's what we found out. And also, these flashbacks show us Spock was not very welcoming to Michael Burnham, uh, you know, taking the uh, attention and affection of his parents from him. Uh, As one would imagine, a small child would not like some random new child entering their domain and and being the new kid on the block, literally. Yeah, yeah, I think the... uh, It's interesting, I was... um in the last few months, I, I watched uh, a mock time. No, no, not a mock time. I watched a Journey to Babel, mm-hmm. and I also watched Star Trek Four, and I watched uh, I watched some at least of Unification for the Next Generation. I was doing some Spock, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of brushing up on my Spock lore. As and you do. the thing that I appreciated about this episode is there's a moment that I think if you're a casual viewer of Star Trek. There's kind of a breathtaking moment that happens between Sarek and Burnham in dialogue that if you if you go back to the source material is completely right, which is we all get very excited because Spock's on the Enterprise and Burnham and Sarek are like, have you seen him in years? Oh, no, not in years. Oh, me neither. I haven't talked to him in years. And, and they're like, you're the father and the sister of this guy. And this is the this is the story. Because there's a line in, uh, is it Journey to Babel? There, there's a line about, like, how Spock hasn't uh, spoken to Sarek 
since he left Vulcan to go to the Academy. And in, I think, in Star Trek Four, or maybe it's in, in Unification when Sarek is dead, Spock's basically like, yeah, we, ne- we didn't talk. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting. Like, this is, this is the truth of Spock that is in the canon but doesn't get talked about a lot, which is that with the exception of his mother, and we see it's like special relationship with his mother, like, but with his father and apparently his, his foster sister, uh, really at a distance, really at arm's length. Uh, lots of it's not not a super happy home apparently the Sarek home it's 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 very Spartan and also not happy. That's right. There there are no knickknacks and and no love apparently. No, they uh, might have somewhere in that house. There may be one of those sweet uh, like things with bells on them, tambourines oh, yes. with bells on them that are from Spock a mock time. Those. Yes, that uh, that I laughed at that. That was a nice little tidbit in Spock's uh, <laughs> Spock's uh, yes. quarters on the Enterprise. He's got the little thing with bells from a mock time. That that was great. I will say, I think, I feel like Spock, any iteration of Spock we see, his quarters is, always strike me as a little odd, uh, and they continue yeah. that tradition yes. of his, his decorative skills uh, are, I think, in rebellion to the empty house he grew up in. He just wants to surround himself with uh, three-dimensional chess sets yeah. and uh, wacky grating and... <laughs> Sure, all that good stuff. And the, and the I, thing with the bells. And the thing with the bells. I hope he also, at some point, we find out he has uh, one of those infinity mirrors that he had in, what, Star Trek Two or something huh. in his uh, quarters. Yeah, that'd be cool. But that'd be cool. That's yeah. uh, that's enough of a Spock decor corner. Okay. <laughs> that's right. Check back in next time. <laughs> yes, next time we'll talk about it again. Uh, I did think it's interesting to, we got another definition of the Vulcan hello in this as well, right? Because uh, uh, Burnham uh, goes up to meet Spock for the first time in a flashback. And he and Sarek is like, "Come meet your this new person." Uh, and Spock uh, draws a little monster hologram, and then gets up, walks over, and slams the door in her face as yeah. she extends he, her hand. Yeah, he gave her the Vulcan hello. He really, did. he really did. <laughs> Vulcans not very friendly people, mm. as we we found out. Um, and so, yeah, so we don't see Spock full grown Spock in this episode. So that's a bit of. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a fake out. He's talked about a lot, and we see baby Spock. But yeah, uh, we hear his he, voice on a personal log because there are mm-hmm. no passwords, or <laughs> or he said it to unlock when he yeah. was gone, just in case he died or something. Who knows? But yes, that that part always uh, Starfleet security not very good. Uh, also, no. should she just be allowed to randomly go into his quarters? Is another question. I, had. I, I assume she got permission. I don't know. Yeah, just I'm just going to beam over and go into somebody's quarters. Never mind. <laughs> I'll be right back. Just direct, just beam me direct to outside his quarters, and well, then why not inside? Well, that's true. Protocol. But I, I, I assume he left it unlocked because he encoded the picture and the audio file, which seems weird, uh, but he did apparently. Yeah, that's how it works. And oh, if we've encoded a picture in this podcast audio file, so try to decode it, and uh, you'll find a secret. What you do is you put your hands down on your phone, and then you fling them in the air, and the that's hologram right. appears. It'll be a, a red angel will appear. It could be. It could be. Like, yeah, no, nothing will appear. So don't waste your time, people. So, uh, so the red angel um, is is, uh, is so obviously this red burst concept, which we saw from the first trailer. The idea that there are these things that can't be natural. It's a mystery. I feel like the trailer has given away more of the plot than this episode does. So, uh, you know, trying to not go down that path for people who haven't seen the trailer. But clearly, something is going on, and Spock is aware of it too because his uh, his log has this image of the of these mysterious bursts that Pike has been sent to investigate. 
investigate, which is what leads them to the super weird asteroid mm-hmm. where that might have dark matter in it or something else where they've grabbed a chunk of asteroid because there's a weird there's something weird about this place uh, where the where this one Federation ship crashed because there's strange gravity happening there and they uh, and so they uh, they grab a a part of the the asteroid so that that's that's sort of the you know we have a driving force here it's not just like we're going to send you out on a five-year mission kind of stuff mm-hmm. they they so want you some the war so, some story to yeah i like that i thought that was really clever to have it be where was the enterprise all this time and the answer is they were in deep space on a five-year mission and were too far out and I thought that was pretty cool, and I like the idea that Pike basically says we were really affected by the fact that back home there was a war going on, and we were way too far away, and they told us to stay away, because what mm-hmm. if there was nothing to come home to? I, I thought that was a nice use of not only an explanation for, like, where was the Enterprise during all of this, but um, puts a little interesting character spin on Pike that he had to do his mission and look watch from afar as as the federation was threatened that's that's an interesting little little uh, detail in uh, where he's coming from now that he's back in in uh, in space with uh, the rest of us Yes, and I, let's talk about Captain Pike because he's yeah. uh, there are a couple of new characters that were introduced to that survived the episode, <laughs> uh, and there are one or two that uh, don't. No, Actually, don't. just one yeah. who doesn't. Uh, uh, and I uh, was. I knew as soon as they got into those little oh. pod things that that guy was a goner. Well, it's it's uh, like um, it's Star Trek Into Darkness. It reminded me of right where they put they're in like little pod through a, a field, and it's like this is a death trap. Like what? Who? And why are you going so fast? Could you not go slower? And and do you not have deflectors or whatever? And the answer is well, it's exciting to do it this way. But yeah, it was clearly like someone was going to die, and they did the thing where it was like, oh, you think it's going to be the woman who hasn't had as much dialogue and is wearing red, but no, it's the science guy who. Is inc- kind of a jerk. And as soon as he, as soon as he's really annoying, and Burnham warns him to do something, <laughs> and he does something different because he's smart. I was like, oh, he's gonna die, and he's he totally die. is. We we get that shot where the rock. He's not even looking when the rock kind of comes around and and, him. and blasts him. Yeah. yeah. yeah and Marisa turned to me and said, "I'm glad the annoying white guy got killed." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, he's, like, he's a, he's sure. a goner. He's he thinks he knows so much. But yes, Pike Anson Pike. Mount as uh, as Pike. He drops a Mojave reference immediately not to mac os mojave for computer fans out there but uh, christopher pike and one of his one of the few things we know about this character from the cage is that he is from mojave california that's where he's from and so he mm-hmm. he mentions it right right uh right aboard that he's like oh, i you know we back in mojave we uh we're straight shooters or whatever he says to saru uh and uh and then we get him uh, throughout the episode as our our new kind of replacement captain and i did i enjoyed the fact that he comes aboard and he's like uh saru bad news i'm in charge now and saru's like well i haven't heard anything about this Uh, is there anything more star trek than citing specific starfleet regulations (laughs) and having a different officer counter cite other starfleet regulations i my notes just say i love it when they cite starfleet regulations it's the best it, it, and everybody seems to have an encyclopedic knowledge of every, all of them because he's like it's whatever paragraph nine subsection yeah. b <laughs> yeah, and right. Saru's like well that, well, that, that uh, lists three only. things what, what <laughs> exactly. is it and he's like it's all three and he's like oh interesting okay well let's get in the turbo lift let's get in the turbo lift yeah for but our, I need a uh, DNA test to prove you are but I'm not giving you the command codes now in the elevator could you I like did, it did you notice that there's a shot for the first time I think in Star Trek history there's a shot looking at the elevator as it moves through the superstructure of the ship. 
mm-hmm. never seen and before. That was funny. That was very exciting. And it, it shows us that the superstructure of the ship is like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Uh-huh. There's lots of wacky stuff happening yeah, in there. There's like, yeah, stuff's being welded and little drones. And, and there's people are flying around in yeah. there, or, or drones at least. It was very exciting. Uh, uh, and then, so yeah, so he, Saru says, I can't give you the command codes until we get a DNA test. Uh, and uh, Pike is like, okay, fine. Uh, and then an alien sneezes on the annoying guy. Uh-huh. Uh, Haha, he'll be dead soon. Uh, He'll be dead soon. Uh, It's too bad he didn't die of whatever horrible disease that that alien has. He would have anyway, so it's fine. That's true. It's fine. The Saurian flu. And then Pike is on the bridge, and he's like, "Hey, what up, everybody? Uh, I'm the new sheriff in town. I'm not like Lorca. Uh, Here's my personnel file that Tilly accidentally opened. Um, But everybody, look at it. Yeah. What what about having your uh, college transcript? placed on the uh, center screen of the bridge when you take command. That seems like a bad plan. Bad idea. It's not good. But he, he wants to be open yeah, and he calls up his F in astrophysics and just, like, highlights it and says, see, there mm-hmm. I am. There. He's a different kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and Tilly continues to be a delight uh, in this episode. Uh, and, and she compliments Captain Pike's nail beds, I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is nice. Uh, but Captain Pike, the other moment, so the, they clearly want to show that Captain Pike is a different captain than Captain Lorca, uh, i.e. not evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, uh, there are a couple of moments where he's like, okay, everybody, uh, roll call everyone around here, tell me their name, uh, but don't tell me your rank because it doesn't matter. And everyone on the bridge tells them his name, which I also thought was a, a kind of a signifier that I think runs throughout this episode, that they are pivoting a little more to highlighting the rest of the ensemble, yes. whereas the first season was mostly Michael Burnham and Lorca and, you know, a little bit of Saru and everybody else was kind of in the background. Um, yeah, the bridge even, crew bridge crew mm-hmm. has like five people who we didn't really know what their names are. And so we have uh, Pike ask what their names are. So we get to hear all of them have their names and then he and then he gets to tell the navigator lady to fly good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and I like I like the Pikes kind of laid back, uh, like hey, we'll, we'll you know things like rocks are hitting the discovery. And he's like that's not good. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's he's a laid back California guy. <laughs> well, it's it's not only that's not good, but he's like. Where's my red things? I want my red things. Like, <laughs> yes. We came here for the big red thing. Why is there no red thing? It's there's just, no it's very funny. And so there's a weird gravity well with a Starfleet vessel and all that. And, and again, mm-hmm. is, isn't that Star Trek? I mean, the, the, the big uh, field of debris is also very Star Wars, I will say. But, That's true. Um, but it is like suddenly there's a mysterious object and strange gravity and there's a crashed Starfleet vessel that they have to go check out because they're not going to leave somebody behind and it crashed 10 months ago. But maybe there are people still somehow alive there are and uh and so they have to what? go out there and that's all uh that's all that, that i i really enjoyed that too that this is that moment where he's like i didn't set out the war just to stand down now obviously pike is really motivated to do something and they mm-hmm. have that like moment of thaw where he thinks that they're all trying to talk him out of rescuing people and burnham's like no 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 we are all in on this together like you just gotta you gotta like take take some some decaffeinated whatever it is that you're drinking tea <laughs> let's say let's say yes, tea of course um and and uh calm down and we'll uh i got an idea and and so it's it's a yeah it is like you don't know our shorthand we don't know yours we got to get to know you um but everybody's mm-hmm. trying to prove to everybody else that they're all starfleet officers and um you know i liked it that there's no kind of artificial like 
wow, he's a jerk. And then we learn that, like, like Picard is kind of like that in the beginning of TNG, right? Where he's like, Riker, the children are stupid. Get them off my bridge or whatever. And then, you know, we're supposed to warm up to him. Here, here it's not like that. It's just more like they don't speak the same language and they got to figure it out. Yeah, and Captain Picard is, I mean, I think the interesting thing that the writers do for all of these shows is, or one of the challenges is you have to give your captain a distinct kind of leadership style. Uh, and Captain Picard and Captain Pike are quite different. Captain Pike and Captain Kirk are quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's uh, that would have been the, the the one of the traps that they could have gotten into is making Captain Pike into a Captain Kirk-like person, right. uh, which I think... Well, we've only seen one episode, but it seems pretty clear to me that Captain Pike, this Captain Pike, is not going to be like Captain Kirk, uh, which is a good thing, because we yeah. already have a Captain Kirk. It's fine. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. And so, yeah, they're on this asteroid, and uh, or whatever the heck it is, they find the USS Hiawatha, and on there is another new character, uh, who's, I only remember the name of Tignataro, who yeah, plays... Reno. Uh, Reno, there we go. Okay. Reno, Lieutenant Reno, who's an engineer who's been keeping people alive and has constructed various like drones and stuff in the ten months that she's been there to help her kind of patrol while she's been keeping all these people alive and scavenging parts and stuff to try. And I guess Hiawatha was a medical ship, so they were they were transporting people, but mm-hmm. um, these they, these were not able to be moved, and so they ended up kind of crashing, and she stayed with them. Um, and so they, uh, and it leads to a very funny line that again was spoiled in the, in the trailer, but is very good, which is like this whole asteroid is headed toward a pulsar and she's like, Oh, that's a relief. I thought we were going to die. We're not going to die. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, she's really good. Like, Tigna, I mean, Tignataro is really good anyway, but she's surprisingly really good in, in Star Trek, which I was like, that's a surprise, but it, she's great. <laughs> Yeah, and she she reminded me. This character reminds me very much of uh, Doctor McCoy, mm-hmm. in that she's a little cranky, probably less cranky than Doctor McCoy, but very sarcastic. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite things about Starfleet officers is she's very competent and sure of what she's doing, uh, and she kind of just rolls with it when they show up. She's like, "Okay, well, let's let's figure this out, uh, and and let's get on the transporters and go." Yeah, the, back to the discovery. Also, it addresses one of the problems. It's funny because Next Generation had the same issue, right? Which is you're a Star Trek show without a chief engineer. And season mm-hmm. one, you know, Stamets made sense because of the the spore drive, but he was not what you would consider a real like a your usual chief engineer. He was, uh, you know, more like a you know he's just a scientist guy who happens to be running the spore drive. Whereas Tignataro's character here, who I imagine is going to be hanging around, is a more conventional and engineering type with the you know she's a it's like a cross between scotty and dr mccoy right where uh but but she definitely has that sarcastic side of of mccoy that there's a great moment where uh burnham's like oh i can wire this to this thing and she's like where were you 10 months ago (laughs) it's great (laughs) like i could have used that we could have gotten out of here if you were here but you wouldn't have been stuck here yeah so that was that was really funny so i i but i think that in addition to tignataro being fun and this character being delightful with the uh, with the sarcasm and all that, also, yeah, I think it kind of fills a fills a slot to have have that kind of character on uh, Discovery because I don't think that's a kind of star Starfleet archetype that uh, that the show had. We've got some other archetypes, but uh, not the sort of like problem solving chief engineer type person. Right, and in this episode, we find out that uh, Stamets is leaving uh the discovery although 
pending yeah. the mission here, so I don't think the character is actually going to be leaving yeah. the show. But, but yeah, no, and I think um, yeah, he has that conversation with Tilly. I think it's good. I think it's logical that you would have him say, "Look, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I've kind of overdone it with the spore thing. The Vulcans want me to go to the Academy of Sciences, and we presumably to study this whole spore drive mycelial network mm-hmm. thing. And I have the memories of Culber." here which is where he died and i don't want to be here until he's like no but you know i think you really should rethink and he's like i appreciate that but stop talking <laughs> which is another great moment yeah, talk, talk, it is talk less um, i think that scene is one of my favorite scenes uh, of the episode yeah it's really good and and it's logical right that that he of course he doesn't want to be there anymore like this is this is something that even though anthony rapp is almost certainly not leaving the show at any point anytime as long as the show is running from within the universe it doesn't really make sense for Stamets not to at least talk about, I don't know if I want to keep doing this, right? Like, the where, where his character left off last time, you know, with having lost Culber, having uh, all these issues with the mycelial network, like, where does he go from here? And I think the answer is he has to at least try to disengage and then have a reason to stay, which is where they're going with it. So I, I thought that really rang true. I liked I liked his really we got like one scene essentially or two scenes with Stamets, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was good. And I like his his character. I think has changed the most throughout the season because he's gone through the most uh, the first season that is. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting to see him uh, in season two, kind of dealing with the ramifications of what happened uh, in season one, and uh, being like a little mentor for Tilly mm-hmm. and saying, you know, you're going to make a great captain, uh, but I want you to repeat after me, and and I will talk less <laughs> which i think is i mean i like tilly as a character but uh she does need to talk less yeah yeah I, that like yeah that's her her nervous tick as she talks too much and mm-hmm. she does it with pike on the on the bridge and it's uh it's pretty funny it's, it's good yeah, well let's, and we should talk about some of tilly's moments because she's a fan favorite she's a fan of my i don't know yeah, if she loves she's a fan of mine but i'm a fan of her Scott, she told me so and she, know. you know it was a very long conversation she had a lot to say <laughs> She she speaks to me through the television, so I know that she <laughs> yeah. she likes mm-hmm. me. Uh, my uh, I thought the scene with her and Stamus was very good, uh, but I thought the funniest moment was when she ran on the bridge and there was lots of background noise, and then the background noise stopped, and she yelled, "You could try Morse code!" <laughs> and everybody looked at her, and then she was like, "Well." I liked the um, moment where they snag the asteroid, where she's like yelling out commands and stuff. Where you get the because she's like really good with the science stuff too, and uh, mm-hmm. and that that was a uh, that was a, a fun moment. I think that actually, I think that is. I talked about Tignataro and maybe having an engineering job. One of the challenges with Discovery, as it's currently formulated, is you've got all the bridge crew who we don't know very well, and then we've got multiple. Uh, cast members who are main cast who all have kind of the same job the same, yeah. mm-hmm. which is really good at everything <laughs> really good at science <laughs> and that is that is something that i think that they have to try and uh, delineate a little bit better is like what are their what are their roles because i think the characters are good but it is sometimes interchangeable about like who is like because tilly does it uh snags that asteroid but stamets could have done it burnham could have done it like saru Mm -hmm. could have done it like so they need to they need to have saru be like first officer and and uh and burnham be kind of more maybe um action but also kind of like uh moral moral questioner 
um, mm-hmm. and then leave Tilly to the wild science ideas, and uh, and then I don't know what Stamets also is wild science ideas, but that that's the. Uh, that's the one thing that I think is an interesting problem that Discovery has is you've got very well-defined characters who have very poorly defined jobs. Right. And it makes sense in in universe once again because it's Discovery was originally a science vessel, yeah, right? Exactly. So they have it's it's stocked with a bunch of people who are really good at science. Um, but as the show goes on, you're going to kind of need to differentiate what they do on the ship or at least attempt yeah. to so it makes a little more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then you can have that'll because it it does kind of flatten the drama a little bit and the tension when anybody on the crew could do any of these things. Yeah. So there's no like if something happens to Tilly while she's you know getting this asteroid in, you know someone else could just step in and do what she did and it'd be fine. But that was a nice a chunk with Tilly where she goes and uh, sees Burnham in sick bay who's got oh, a broken yes. leg, so it'll take her two hours, which is a nice... Th- she's got the little kind of leg healing thing on, um, and she's a terrible patient, and the doctor's like, yeah, second that, yes. right? Which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and uh, and Tilly's running down the hallway at one point, and we see... Actually, something I thought was really interesting is we see a, a crew member in the background in a wheelchair, which yes. I don't think we've seen before. I'm not sure. But anyway, that was cool just to right. have. Why not? Other than... Uh, Pike. Well, in, I mean, uh, yeah, it was giant mobile wheelchair. Not quite. Thingy. Yeah, beep, beep once. Um, exactly. And uh, and then and then we get that talking about Tilly. That I like the sort of I thought it'd be bigger kind of stuff where they capture the asteroid and she says well the shuttle bay needs some TLC which is a nice reveal because we didn't know they were going to do it but it's this Saru and Tilly have got this plan to grab the the asteroid chunk which is that we're going to we're basically going to back the discovery into an asteroid and snap off a piece doesn't seem like the best idea to me but it works so and I do like they set up what of the the gravity simulator or whatever and it's like this little tiny thing that then unfolds into this giant gravity like a uh, look kind of look like the uh, deflector dish um of a, a different ship yeah 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 so that was that was kind of fun i i just kind of went with it like this is the only way we have enough time to grab anything here we're gonna have to do a little bit of damage or as tilly says the shuttle bay needs some tlc but they got their you know big giant uh uh, asteroid chunk, which they need for reasons of story arc, presumably science. Who knows? Right, uh, and the, yeah, because they can't transport it because it's non- dark matter is dark. I don't or, know, or something matter, that but. it's non baryonic matter. But that's they, they're going with dark matter, which again, I am sure that uh, scientists are out there going, that's not really <laughs> what dark matter is. But we don't really know what dark matter is, and I, I feel like it's very much in the spirit of Star Trek to take items that are on the kind of frontier of science and uh, turn them into plot points so that in 10 years people can go oh yeah that is not what that is but <laughs> right now we don't know like black holes or something it's like uh, oh yeah we found a black hole and like, no that's not no, what black don't. holes are but back in the <laughs> 70s black holes were very exciting so you know when they made sci-fi in the 70s everybody talked about black holes so dark matter yeah whatever it's i'm sure i'm it's, sure it's a thing it's whatever it's it's weird something weird is going on with the asteroid and it's tied into the red burst and they have grabbed a chunk of it and that's that's and all that matters we'll it's find fine. out yeah. more yeah it's all good it's all it's and i guess we should point out the uh, burnham at one point gets stuck on the asteroid while everyone else runs out and she has a vision of a red angel which i'm sure is will be meaningful at some point later on. Yes, and it will mean yes. something. And then but. and then uh, it resolves into into Pike coming and saving her. Right. But um, that vision is uh, is going to come back because 
we've seen the trailer and we know it's going to yes, come back. Yes, we know. It's, it's, it's pivotal. It's relevant. And I'll, I'll tell you, another thing that I really loved is there's that shot where um, Anson Mount, so Pike is in the uh, Lorca's ready room and, and then Burnham <laughs> comes in and there's like, there's no chairs mm-hmm. and he's like, this is a stupid room. I don't like this room at all. <laughs> but I really love that the first thing he does is he, f- he picks up a fortune cookie fortune that is on the floor and that just made me laugh because that's like, that's Lorca's thing. And, and the, the f- fortune cookies. And the fortune uh, is not every cage is a prison, nor mm-hmm. every loss eternal, which is like, hmm, I feel like there's that is meaningful in some way. But yes. I like that Lorca has left a fortune behind for <laughs> for uh, for Captain Pike, and maybe that maybe it, all it is is it's his. It's literally one could read it that it's literally his fortune because we know what's going right. to happen, which is that mm-hmm. Pike in the end will be burned horribly, and then will be taken by Spock to. Um, uh, Talos Four, Four yes. where the Talosians will uh, give him back, like the illusion of uh, being a healthy person, even though his body is is crippled and all of that. Uh, by and that's the cage, right? It was that episode uh, that became the menagerie, and so not every cage is a prison. It could also free him. So I wonder, mm-hmm. nor ever lost eternal. So I wonder if that is a, a foreshadowing something for this season, or if it's literally just them <laughs> winking at this is the fate of Pike ultimately in this universe. I don't know. I took I took it as a a wink to uh, fans, but it could also it could be both. Why not both? I don't Jason? know. Maybe maybe Why so. But I I, I just and the fact that there's a fortune cookie still in stupid Lorca. <laughs> stupid office is great stupid look that odd office is i am glad so they did a couple of things that i wanted them to do that were, were meaningless but just pleased me uh they had that throwaway line about the uniforms that pleased me uh and captain pike saying i need a new ready room because this place sucks uh, <laughs> this is stupid. And, why, why why is this like this why where do you sit i don't i have to oh, stand oh. at this table <laughs> yeah no that that was that was really great that's good that, yes. and that's him putting his stamp on it too and and that's mm-hmm. yeah i think one of the things that's funny about this and we've talked about this, I think, a little bit, which is Discovery is structured strangely because they don't have a captain or they have these guest captains. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the way that the story has gone, who would be the captain? Like, Saru is the captain, but is Saru really the captain of the starship in this? Burnham's our main character. I think her trajectory is clear that she is meant for great greater things. But mm-hmm. the way that the show is kind of built, I'm not sure there's a captain yet so they kind of have to keep having the the guest captains so here comes it's funny how it's structured though right because anson mount he he's great just like uh just like uh lorca jason isaacs was great yeah, he's um, great too but it, it is kind of a funny thing where they've got like the traditional star trek captain who's kind of a guest star <laughs> uh because he's not, not the main character and not the main character right yeah, yeah he's just kind of a uh, it's not really about him but he's also around i don't know it's 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 there are a lot of things about this show that i think it goes back to whatever brian singer's original um <laughs> or not brian singer brian fuller brian fuller's original too many brian's mm-hmm. i don't know how brian's come on um, too many. brian fuller's original uh idea whatever it was i think there's a lot of mixed up things in it about like no <laughs> captain and everybody's a scientist and stuff like that that in the long run it makes the shape of the show very different which is fine but it also Mm -hmm. makes them have to do i think some weird contortions to get everybody to do what they need to do and it means that we have uh, you know another guest captain which is fine because pike is a good character and uh it's fun so far 
Yeah, and I'll be interested to see how he handles it. And I thought it was interesting. So I feel bad for Saru because I feel like we talked about this uh, at the the finale that uh, of season one. You kind of think, well, shouldn't Saru be the captain? But no, he has to drive the ship to pick up yet another captain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then stand aside. And now he, even on his way to get his other captain, he gets yet another captain, <laughs> and he has to stand aside. Uh, but there was a nice moment where Pike says, uh, when they're grabbing the piece of asteroid. Uh, and Pike is like, this is not my mission, uh, Mr. Saru, you should take over, because this is what, what you right. do. So, And he also says that they're going to have what? like uh, Shared custody. Uh, yeah, shared custody, that's right, of yeah. the Discovery, which I think for a command structure is not going to work all that well, but no, maybe they'll be I, interesting I like, to see. I like the idea, though, that what Pike's really saying is he's trying to put Saru at ease and say, look, I know that I'm, you know, I have another ship. Um, mm-hmm. I'm here temporarily. You're here permanently. And so... Um, you know, it's like just an acknowledgement that that uh, Saru and the rest of the crew, like this is their ship, and and Pike is on this one mission and all that, and it's yeah. it's 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 interesting. I'm I wonder in the long run what they're going to do with Discovery, and it, in the long run are they going to just have it be that Saru's the captain, or are they going to find a way to like make Burnham the captain? Because that doesn't make sense. Like if Saru is around, <laughs> Saru should be the captain. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. It is, it is, uh, the, the, and, and given all the turnover on the writing staff and the produ- production staff and things like, you know, everybody just has to inherit whatever they got from the previous people and figure out the best way to tell some <laughs> stories with it. So, and they, and they have, I mean, this was, this was a, a fun episode. Did you think that the, um, Spock's outside of Spock's quarters looked like something out of, uh, like Star Trek two? I did. I, I thought that immediately when they showed the very red banding on the walls and, and such. I was like, oh, yeah, I see what they're doing. I liked it. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah, and it, had, uh, it made the official, you know, Star Trek door opening sound. So it's Star Trek yes. as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I agree. And it happened to be in a Star Trek show. So I think it's Star Trek as far as anyone's concerned. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's very Star Trekky. So, anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap it up, Jason? Um, I just want to mention that almost every morning I have uh, English uh, breakfast, organic English breakfast tea from the New Mexico Tea Company. Mm. And if you would like to get a deal on tea, you can go to nmtco.com slash TV and you will uh, get links to some popular teas and a discount and also a link to the survey which you can fill it out and we'll have a fun game show later on about star trek stuff so uh Uh, yeah so that's that's my last thing is to mention the sponsor (laughs) what kind of tea so we we posit that uh captain pike is drinking tea on the bridge what kind of what kind of tea do you think captain pike drinks jason oh you know i i think it depends on what part of the shift it is because if he uh if he needs uh, like caffeine, I mean, he probably wants to have caffeine, right? Because he needs to be so. he needs to be on edge. So I'm going to say the you know a, uh, a, a let's say Irish breakfast, not just my English Ooh. breakfast, but he maybe a little Irish breakfast for a little twist. That's what I'm going to say this time. <laughs> I think that's the right answer. Next time I'll uh, pick something different. I was going to say tune in next time to see what kind of tea Captain Pike is drinking. Yeah, on the next or episode. how we work tea into next the next episode. <laughs> well, it's only you know we'll just. We take it as it comes. That's right. That's uh, that's all we can do in this life. Yeah. But overall, a uh, fun episode. Glad it's back. Uh, lots more, you know, plot to 
to come, but I think that they made the decision to try and balance out kind of the characters and the action and the overall story setup. And it's a hard job to do that, um, especially mm-hmm. since they have to pick up right where they left off. But I think they did a pretty good job. Yes, uh, it makes me look forward to more of season two. Uh, yeah, and and also the one thing, I, the last thing I want to say is that I think that Star Trek Discovery continues to be the best looking Star Trek series ever uh, because it was just lovely many lovely scenes and set pieces even though i didn't really think the the little shuttle pod thing scene was all that necessary it was lovely to watch so yeah and all uh, those explosions of uh things like just there were lots of explosions when burnham is running out on the surface of the asteroid and all of that mm-hmm. like that was pretty spectacular for like tv special effects that was uh i was impressed that was that was pretty good yes and we'll talk about more star trek discovery uh, next, next week. week Vulcan goodbye I slammed the door <laughs> no that's hello that's how they say oh. hello <laughs> I open the door back up again there you go <laughs> I said goodbye <laughs> the Vulcans are very confusing <laughs>